Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, I've got a, um, a, I think, you know, somebody that you are absolutely going to love uh, today. And, I, and I'm, I'm excited about bringing uh, Josh on uh, the show uh, because they've got a new book out. And I want to make sure that we you know, touch on the book. But more importantly, I want to touch on the work that he and his team are doing in this field that I call leadership development. Um, and they've got a, a, an approach that is very uh, simpatico, quote, unquote, uh, with a lot of the work that I do. And, and it certainly does for me um, give kind of uh, granular traction to this whole notion of the soul of business. So my um, guest today, Josh Satterman, who's the founding, uh, he's the founder and the managing partner of the, uh, the Satterman Connect Group. So, Josh, I want to just welcome you to the show, and I look forward to our conversation. Very excited to be here, Blaine, and thank you for having us on. Absolutely. Um, you know, when the, uh, we were talking just you know, before we started uh, the actual formal interview here, uh, I said that I only really ask one question uh, in, in these uh, episodes, and that starts with the simple one. Yeah, when you hear the soul of business, what does that evoke for you? Kind of what does it bring up? And then we'll just kind of see where we uh, end up moving from there. So balls in your court, soul of business, what does it mean for you? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I've given it a lot of thought, actually, because uh, one of the reasons why we founded uh, Saderman Connect and why we're doing the work we're doing is because it's about people. And I think back to the journey that I had as a leader and how many times people were there for me, not just as a mentor, but also as a sponsor, an advocate, an ambassador, um, lifting me up, providing meaningful feedback, uh, talking to me about the tools to do a better job of engaging uh, the people that I interacted with, right? And so to me, the soul of a business is about paying it forward, uh, being respectful, uh, thinking about the people that are in your workforce and workplace and marketplace, uh, quite frankly, I always say first and foremost as humans, uh, and trying to, to bring humanity back into the way that we do business, because relationships are, are core to how we do business. So the soul of a business, the soul of our business is built around culture and being growth mindset, learning every day and being open to the possibility of connection and relationships. You know, uh, I knew I was going to love this interview. <laughs> um, I, you know, my bias on, on all of this is predicated on one very simple notion, and that's you know, how you define an organization. An organization, from my perspective, is simply, and I mean very simply, a collection of people that are in relationship period, the end, full stop. 
And to the degree that the relationships are working well, the organization's got a pretty good shot at being successful. Um, but not a lot of leaders will pay attention to the quality of the relationships that they have in their organizations in any meaningful way. You know, usually, you know, as a coach, uh, as a consultant, I'd be uh, contacted if I, yeah, if my client has got uh, a relationship that's gone off the rails and they need somebody to, you know, a third party, a neutral third party to come in and fix it. Um, and that to me is backwards. I mean, that's the leader's prerogative is to ensure that the quality of the relationships is, is paramount in the organization. And that's not to say that I don't have expertise in, in fixing things, but I've got better expertise in making sure they're actually working well. Um, so, you know, that long, you know, preface there, the, the book that you got, Arrive, Drive and Thrive, I was particularly struck by the last word in that title, thrive, which is fundamentally different than what most organizations organize around, which is surviving. So can you talk a little bit about how you and your co-authors actually, number one, came up with the idea for the book, and number two, um, what your intention in writing the book was? And folks, you need to pick this book up. It, it really is pretty seminal. Uh, I think you're going to be very pleased with what they've put together in this book, um, Arrive, Drive, and Thrive. So how did it come to be? Uh, great question. Uh, big question. I'm glad we have um, ample time today together. Uh, so, so we, we uh, the section called Thrive uh, is also called Elevating Your Impact. It's the sub, subtitle to that in terms of the section within the book. And the reason why we said Elevating Your Impact is when we thought back, both Gerald, Denny, and, and myself, to when we truly had impactful business driving, healthy engagement, fulfillment in the workplace, it, it was really where impact uh, was fun, felt, and we were working together as a team, that the organization was thriving. So it wasn't about the individual, it was about how the individual fit into the bigger puzzle piece of the organization. And when you look at, you know, whether it's ENPS scores or whether you look at um, metrics around, um, we're, we're big into Gallup, Clifton Strengths. So uh, yeah. engaged organizations, right, that, that leverage a strength-based leadership model, um, you really start to see in the organization that it's not about surviving and just getting to the benchmark. It's about thriving, which is about innovation, creative spirit, diverse thinking, belonging, really a higher calling to where an organization can serve as in, in, in all fairness, a, a, a really big milestone for somebody's life or somebody's career. Um, so thriving is, is so much more powerful um, than just simply surviving. You know, that notion of a workplace that has as its core function being a place where thriving can exist. And I yeah. love the way that you put that. It's, it's kind of like I work for an organization that was a milestone in my life. Yeah, that, I mean, and I've had that experience, yeah, in organizations, you know, and I've had clients that have had that experience with their organizations. And I know you worked at Macy's for a number of years and you were VP yes. at Macy's. Uh, you headed up uh, their diversity and inclusion, uh, uh, pro, uh, not program, but, you know, just that whole area. And that's, I mean, Macy's, you know, what, 15,000 people? I mean, just a huge number of folks. Um, or more, 15, no, what? 
In total, in total, about about ninety ninety five thousand when I was there. I don't know. I, I, I don't know where they are today, that. but um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, and I mentioned Macy's because you know, that's one of the shopping experiences that I actually enjoy, and I hate shopping. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be right up front. Uh, you know, Macy's and Nordstrom's both. I actually enjoy them. Uh, you know, when I'm when I'm actually in a place to do it. But the idea of an organization that is built to thrive, uh, and not just the organization itself thriving, but the people in it, they have to thrive if the organization is going to thrive. How does you know, How does what you approach in the book address making that happen? Great question. Um, so, so for me, just to, to sort of back up for a minute um, in terms of how we got to this book and and why why this book supports organizations, both quite frankly, creating strong leaders and then creating strong environments for leadership, um, is I was on the business side for many years. I was a merchant. Um, I ran parts of creative for private brand, and then I was fortunate enough to work um, with the chief diversity officer and support culture and engagement towards the end of my journey with Macy's. And throughout the entire journey, what was always clear is in order for me to make my numbers or create impact, uh, it was all about working with teams, all about influencing, all about building relationships. And I used to always affectionately say that collaboration is not the same thing as negotiation or compromise. Collaboration starts at the very beginning when you rally around an idea together. And then each one of you carves out roles and responsibilities to take that goal or objective and, and bring it to fruition. The book is designed to support that. It's designed to lead those efforts through looking at how you empower your team. How do you delegate, right? So for those emerging, aspiring and growing leaders, and quite frankly, for many of the existing leaders that are out there, we see oftentimes, and again, I'm an executive coach. I know you as well, Blaine, so you'll understand sort of where I come from is, is many leaders are still telling and teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we find that the most impactful way to lift people up is through coaching, through that self-actualization, that they have the answers. How do you navigate and provide the time and space to create that presence, mindfulness, and awareness to make good decisions or to think through a scenario that's what this yeah. book allows uh, the, the the reader, the author. I mean, excuse me, the reader and the um, the the leaders who are deploying this book to utilize. Beautiful. You know, um, a definition, and my my listeners have heard me say this ad nauseum. Uh, but the way I define leadership is it's the activity of co-creating coordinated movement. And you know, I mean, that's as simple as I can make it. Co-creation, coordinated movement, co-creation, yeah, ownership transfer. How does my idea now become yours? Uh, commitment rolls into that in some very interesting ways. But the coordinated movement, that's the one that I've always had people go, well, wait a minute, because they think it's about negotiation or compromise. And I, I love the way that you make that distinction. It, it is not about negotiation or compromise. It's about learning how to do a different dance than we've ever done before in a way that when I step on your toes, uh, we don't break uh, the dance off. We figure out a way to work with it because I'm going to step on your toes. I totally. can't not. Totally. But I also, you know, I think when I get very, and I, I start to see my hands go, when, I, when my hands get going, it means I'm getting real passionate, right? But the, the, the two other elements I would add to it that come forward in this book, but also come forward in the work that we do with our clients is that we, we see it time and time again where promotions happen because of only technical skills. 
And there's nothing, there's nothing I'll say wrong with that. It's just limiting. It's how is the company going to also reinforce the critical skills that leaders need to make great decisions, to support folks who are in the organization, colleagues grow and develop, empower, right? And so, and, and oftentimes organizations call them soft skills. And it comes way back to the military and that's where the definition you know, starts from. But the reality is, is that these skills are not soft. They are critical. Listening is critical. Communication is critical. Being naturally curious and asking questions that start with what or how. So you have conversation and understanding, critical, right? And so while a person can be brilliant at uh, fill in the blank Excel, <laughs> fill in the blank on a technical skill, depending on the industry, as you grow as a leader, it's not your job to always be the doer. Sometimes it's yeah. your job to inspire the doer. And that requires really astute critical skills. And that's what this book talks about is how are you a better leader? How are you a better coach? Yeah. You know, the idea of soft skills, and I heard, I've heard this, I mean, I've been in this business for a long yeah. time, four plus decades. And whenever somebody will mention soft skills, it's usually with uh, a bit of a sarcastic edge to it or a, or a dismissive pejorative yeah. Yeah, that kind of is associated with it. Well, that's just one of the soft skills. I've got to tell you um, that those soft skills are probably the most impactful, but also probably the single most difficult skills for a leader to man, uh, to master. They, they because they, they are so steeped in nuance. Yeah, yeah, a technical skill, you know, it's, it's black and white. I mean, you either did it or you didn't. And it's applied to a certain you know, situation. And you can measure it pretty quickly. Uh, soft skills, not so much, you've got to have a a really good eye to figure out, am I doing this well? And is it working or not working? And what needs to be adjusted? And, and it's on the fly oftentimes. <laughs> well, I, and that's know. why, sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt. I, I just, I'm excited yeah, no. about what you're saying because you're building into exactly where the book is headed, which is technical skills are taught over time. They start within the, the, the grade schools and they, and they go through the colleges and certification programs. And then in the actual job function, whether you start off at, you know, executive development level or fill in the blank, right? And, and what, what we find is that oftentimes organizations then begin to invest at the executive coaching level when somebody is a senior leader. And at that yes. point, they want to instill leadership through listening skills or collaboration skills. And why this book was so important to us is because it is almost a mandate in today's environment to begin that journey with the individual contributors and emerging leaders, the aspiring leaders, right? So that they start to embed what does it mean to be a great listener at the beginning of their journey. So as they grow, as you're thinking through succession planning, those leaders are great at the critical skills when they get to that senior leadership level. Yeah, you know, when we, I'm gonna take a brief break right now, but when we come back, I wanna unbundle that because there's something I think very rich in that, um, that positioning. Um, so folks, we'll be right back talking uh, uh, to Josh Satterman uh, about their new book, Arrive, Drive and Thrive. And I wanna make sure we get uh, yeah, not just appropriate, but a significant attribution to your co-authors in this as well. Um, Nettie, uh, Nettie Nitzberg? Nitzberg. Nettie Nitzberg, yeah. Nitzberg and uh, Gerald Hutchinson. 
Uh, yes. And Josh was tapped to be the uh, the spokesperson for the three of them right now. <laughs> All three of them are significant contributors, and I want to make sure that contribution gets noted here before we take Absolutely. the break. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. And we will be back in just a moment, folks. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52-week-long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the leadership mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Soul of Business, and I am Blaine Bartlett, and I am speaking with Josh Satterman. And before we took the break, um, Josh had mentioned something that I wanted to you know, spend some time and probably the rest of this interview bundling, <laughs> I got a hunch. And it's the, the question of where does leadership live in an organization? And that, I think, is one because you, you had mentioned that you know, there's a there's a point in the uh, career migration where people will reach a certain level and all of a sudden they are now ready for leadership development, coaching or work or whatever it might be. And I believe that that is so bass backwards. <laughs> I love that. I just, yes. yeah, if I look at the, de- you know, first of all, what does a leader do? A leader causes movement. That's what they do. I mean, you strip away all of the artifacts of personality and uh, you know, all the other stuff that kind of you know, gets bundled into making decisions about you know, that kind of a leader or that kind of, a leader causes movement, good or bad, they cause movement. By that definition, everybody's a leader because it's impossible to live within a system and not cause some sort of a movement. I mean, just the fact that I show up, people have yes. to reorganize themselves around my presence, so I'm causing movement. So it's not a question of, am I a leader or not? It's a question of, am I effective as a leader at getting the kind of movement I need to get the results that I want? That's where leadership comes in. And that happens the moment anybody walks in the door of the organization. They are a leader and and they are exhibiting leadership for ill or for good. So with, yeah, I'll get off my my preaching platform here. but the idea of, of, of teaching leadership, not just at the top, but teaching leadership throughout the organization so that people understand fully what it means to cause effective movement. If organizations could get their head around that, boy, I mean, that, and this kind of goes back to everything's a relationship. Yeah, if relationships are working well, you got a pretty good shot at being successful. That's a function of leadership. 
So, you know, just your thoughts on that and, and how does the book address that? Because, you know, the typical consulting, con typical consulting focus is on that top tier in an organization. And I got a hunch that's not where you're directing this. No, it's not. Well, we, we, we certainly hope a fair amount of senior executives do read this book <laughs> and deploy yeah, yeah. it with their organization. Um, you know, we, we really wrote this book to be uh, really about all levels, but specifically those emerging leaders. I, I would say there's a, there's, a, there's a fairly large chunk of the book that's around onboarding and how you welcome your team, how you welcome people into your organization. We, we've, we've um, through our learning, have tweaked some of our language. So it's not, a, it's not language we've invented, but ling language that we've borrowed and now use. So I'll, I'll use examples like culture fit versus culture add. Right. Are you looking for someone to fit or are you looking for someone to add? Um, we would be the advocates for add, of course, to create inclusion and belonging and diverse thinking. Um, I would answer your question also around leadership philosophy. We think it's critical for organizations, especially starting with senior leadership, to think of their alignment around leadership philosophy and how that impacts how the organization approaches mission, vision, values. You write your mission, vision, values to create a bond, a stickiness within the organization. And oftentimes when we go in, whether it's large or small organizations, what we find is that going down past C-suite into those layers of leadership, oftentimes people don't even know what their mission, vision, or values are. Yeah, right? they can point to them on the wall, but it's right. artwork. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so sometimes what we'll do in organizations is, is ask the folks to uh, define the values, right? Like put it, put a definition behind it for your organization. How will you address integrity? How will you address building trust, mm -hmm. right? What does that look like for you as a team? Um, we would extend that. We would, we would say that in addition to, to looking at that level, we would also say that part of establishing good leadership, and we talk about coaching all the time, we talk about asking a powerful question, but what we'd also say is the power of your language. Uh, great leaders are inclusive leaders, right? So I, I, I like to dissuade people from using words like subordinate, or mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, even employees versus colleagues, or peers, or teammates, right? Because one of my mentors taught me very early on, we would go into a town hall, this was at Macy's, um, her name is Molly, and Molly would go into a town hall, and all the senior leaders would go to the front and sit in the front row. She would sit in the back. She wanted the, the, the peers, the colleagues, the teammates, she wanted them to be involved, see what was happening. And she wanted to observe what was going on in the group. What could she learn from the experience by sitting in the back and watching what was going on? I'm probably giving away her secrets right now, but, um, but she was such a mentor because she, she acknowledged the importance of, of the role people played. And I love your language of, of causing movement, right? Leaders cause movement. Um, and that's an example of that. So, I, I love that. Yeah, Molly, I think would be a great exemplar of uh, the kind of mindset that I think is important if we're going to focus on creating a thriving environment. You know, I had uh, Gary Ridge on the show not too long ago, and Gary's the CEO of WD40. Yeah, mm -hmm. and everybody, yeah, everybody's familiar with WD40. Uh, yeah, and you talk about employee engagement. They 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 met you know, measure on an ongoing basis. Their employee engagement scores are about ninety three percent. I mean, it is off the bloody chart, and they aspire for ninety five. Um, and and this isn't uh, this isn't a uh, 
uh, uh, you know, nobody salted the mine on this. I mean, they, they do this on an ongoing basis and, and it's the real deal. And it's, you know, I mentioned this in the, in the context of how Gary positions what they, what, what they do at uh, WD-40. This is a manufacturing company. People are not employees. They don't have subordinates. They've got teammates. They're, they're part of a tribe. So language makes a difference. And I'm marking that out. And I just really want to tip my hat off to Gary here because uh, what he's doing is, is, is just phenomenal. He's putting into practice a lot of what I you know, have, you know, from a synopsis basis, you know, pulled out of Arrive, Drive, and Thrive. Yeah, you have codified a lot of some of the stuff that he's doing from a conscious and, uh, I, I, and for me, uh, compassionate perspective. Compassionate capitalism cares about how people thrive in their life. Do they have the opportunity to thrive? Are they positioned to do that? Um, you know, I love this. God, we could go on forever and I'm watching the clock here. Uh, damn it. Uh, <laughs> um, why? I, okay. I'm going to have to have you back on if you're going to be open to it. Uh, I would love to. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I do want to just plant a seed here, perhaps for the next conversation. But the, the notion of, you know, everybody's heard about servant leadership. You know, I mean, that's one that's very damn big meme out there. Um, <laughs> And when I was doing a lot of work with Starbucks, servant servant leadership was part and parcel of you know, their whole approach. Yeah, you know, Howard Bihar you know, paid a lot of attention to that. And I had a lot of conversations with Howard about that, um, and he was the CEO at the time. Um, but I started playing with that notion a little bit, and I started moving away from servant leadership into host leadership. And the idea of a host, and where I got the idea, and this is kind of what I'm going to kind of end on this because. Uh, you know, arrive, drive, and thrive. When I would host a dinner party, or actually it was a Christmas party, my late wife and I would host a Christmas party every year. And, and I loved this thing. And what I loved about it was I got to be the most extraordinary host that I could imagine being. And the idea of a host is making sure everybody's positioned to thrive after they arrive into the, uh, and, and, and we curated the guest list. I mean, it was, you know, we wanted to have you know, people here that were, so are they going to be additive to the culture? And we would bring new people in every year. We had people calling up in September and October wondering if, you know, if, the, if the party was happening this year. Uh, but the idea of a host, making sure that the people that need to get connected are connected, and making sure they have the resources that they need to be able to do what they came to do. I mean, all of the stuff, which is a little bit different than a servant leadership. It's a hosting leadership. It, it requires, in my experience, a, a, a greater gestalt, a greater awareness of the, the entire party. So I'm, I'm just kind of planting that seed there um, because when we come back, <laughs> and when, when you and I get back together again, I'd like to unbundle that in the context of Arrive, Drive, and Thrive, just this notion of a host leader. And before I close off here, just you know, top level thoughts. I mean, I know that this is kind of an unexpected little twist, but what do you think no, about I, that? I, I think it really ties back to some of our, you know, we have a trademark program uh, called Beyond Boarding. And it's around uh -huh. pre-boarding, onboarding or in-boarding if you're moving within the organization or post-boarding. And I, I think it ties back to this host idea that you're welcoming people into your organization. In fact, actually one of the programs you've been running, especially during the pandemic is something called Get Connected, which is a 60 minute quick Zoom around truly getting to know your colleagues, right? Whether they are across an ocean or whether they're quite frankly in your backyard, but can't get to a physical office, right? And so this idea of connection, this idea of culture ad, this idea of hosting 
right? That the organization, you're welcoming people in to do the work, right? That, I, I love where you took this. I love where you took this. So when we get back, you know, what, one of the, the, the parts and pieces that we also share with senior leadership is Lencioni's model on first team. Um, yeah. And it's this idea of putting the, the organization in some ways before yourself. And so, um, yeah, lo lots of meat here in the, in the idea of hosting. Yeah, excellent. Folks, we've been listening to and uh, speaking with Josh Satterman, uh, founder and managing partner of the Satterman Connect organization. Uh, where can people find out who you are, where you're at? You know, what's the uh, you know, the, the address best, that we can Best place to, to find us is at satermanconnect.com uh, and certainly follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, we would love to, to speak. We'd love to talk to you. Great. And that's satermanconnect.com, S-A-T-E-R-M-A-N, connect.com. Josh, that's thank you correct. so much. I absolutely love this conversation. I am going to have you back on. <laughs> Thank you. We, I'd love I've that. already heard you say yes, so I'm going to have Gail reach out to you and we'll get it rescheduled. <laughs> yeah. So Sounds don't, thank don't you let an opportunity us. slide by here. No, no. Thank you. Yes, yes, and yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. You bet, my friend. You take care. Blessings. Folks, you've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Um, come in next week and uh, we'll have somebody else to talk with here that is going to be almost as good as Josh has been. So <laughs> it's all good. Time. The Soul of Business. Find out more about what I'm up to at BlaineBartlett.com. And I'll see you next week. Take care and have a great rest of your week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.